Hi, I'm Patrick Hollick. You're listening and watching a new episode of The Love Show. I'm very excited to announce today's guest, Abel Ferrara, one of my favorite American filmmakers. I've been a big fan of his and his tenacity and his ability to keep making movies, you know, year after year, day after day. He's a force. I talked to him today from uh, Rome on Zoom. We talk about early days in New York City. We talk about filmmaking from the beginning, writing. We talk about, you know, why you get to work with such great actors. Uh, this is an exciting episode for me, so I don't want to just talk about it. I want to get going on it. I'd like to thank Brian Goodman, who without him, this interview wouldn't have happened. He's a good friend and a phenomenal actor that I got lucky to work with briefly on my film, uh, Mercy. Yeah, get ready for a journey. We talk about our struggles with addiction, recovery, and life as it is today. Hello. How are you? Yo, man, can you see me? Am I upside down or what's up? You're like that. I uh, like okay. it. <laughs> Sorry, we can fix it. How's that? It's better. Let me just get uh, two things set up so I don't waste a second of time. All right. How are you, sir? Abel yeah, Fer good, bro. Abel Ferrara in the house. Yeah, here I am, man. <laughs> good to see you. Of the world. You look healthy. Yeah, good to see you, man. You look healthy. Well, that's if you don't spend time trying to kill yourself, that's a that's the result. <laughs> I want to talk about that down the road if you're interested. Oh, can you do your phone sideways? And then can it go, what do you want, an iPad? No, we're good. You see me straight up and down? Yeah, but it'd be better if we're both in scope in a sense. Yeah, but if I'm, a, okay. Yeah, that's beautiful. All right. Let me get this going. There we go. I just lost you. Yeah, no kidding. Yes, perfect. All right, you got me? You I, got me. I right? got you. I'm going to jump right. in before you vanish. Um, what was it like growing up in the Bronx? You know, I spent like the first maybe eight, nine years there, you know. Um, then I moved we moved to upstate New York, mm -hmm. which was like kind of, um, you know, beginnings of suburbia, but it was pretty countrified. You know, the Bronx, when I was a kid, was like a very, uh, you know, very cool neighborhood. You know, it was all Italian-Americans. It was a very an enclave of like-minded people, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was, you know, the gangster element kept it, you know, safe pretty much for the children. I mean, I used to go out in the street and play. It was old out in the street. You can imagine that, man. So it was, um, you know, it was the 50s, a lot of juvenile delinquent. But, you know, as a kid, I was, it was great, you know. What were you, you into? Know, very family-orientated, you know, very family-orientated, very, um, you know, I was young. We're talking like when I was five, six, seven years old, eight years old. Mm -hmm. When did you start getting into the uh, narrative and filmmaking? When does that come into your life? Well, I moved. We moved upstate, you know, uh, the, the, the New York, the Bronx thing was very, you know, Italian, Catholic. You know, I mean, school was all religion. And it, they weren't teaching you too much there, you know, that's going to change, you know, to get you. They weren't going to open your mind in any way. So, 
Then I moved to like, you know, basically American school system in the early 60s, which was like, you know, for me, revolutionary. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, they taught art, they taught science, they taught, you know, it was revolutionary. Did you ever paint you know, or mess with art? Did you? Get yeah, it? I'm not good. My mother was a really uh, gifted drawer. You know, I mean, she was a housewife, so she never took it past painting murals on the walls. But I'm not too good with a paintbrush. I'm working. I got a five year old daughter now, so I'm, I'm back to watercolor. Congratulations uh, on that and your new life. Thank you. I want to get into that, thank but you, I just bro. want to try to go into a. How you got into this independent? Uh, yeah, chronologically. Yeah. Well, you're inspiring because you uh, you don't stop. You just make film after film after film. You know, and that's it's an interesting. I story. got no choice, bro. I got no choice. That's what I want to understand about you, because a lot of people say it's this, it's financing. I can't get this thing going, and you're just making a film every like you know, you're you're living making films. How does that How does that go down when you're, you know? You know, you don't take no for an answer. You find a way, you know. You find a way with the money, without the money. You know, you, you focus on what the film is about and you focus also on what your capabilities are, you know. And when you have the, the iPhones and the computers, that really opens the doors to what you're capable of. You know? mm-hmm. In your era, you had to go, you know, develop and process and all kinds of uh, stuff, you know. Yeah, you know, it was a nightmare. So you're basically kind of um, um, a prisoner of university, you know, of school. Yeah. You know, you couldn't, like, you know, I mean, one hand, you were, like, dying to get away from school. And on the other hand, that's where the means of production was. You know? mm-hmm. I mean, the cameras and the editing and all the things you needed to make a movie, mm-hmm. which were, you know, a lot more complicated. <clears throat> You know, all revolved around um, being in school. Mm-hmm. So we, you know, we, we kept that going until it finally threw us out of university. After going for about seven or eight years. <laughs> How old were you when you made your first uh, feature film? Twenty-five. Mm. But we had been making films since uh, we started when I was sixteen. Wow. So we were making film, you know, we were doing the whole thing. I mean, you know, we were doing like, you know, starting with the Super 8 silent movies and building it up and then kicking it to 16 and then, you know, trying to deal with the sound element to it. And then, um, you know, it uh, was going to a film school called Purchase. Yeah, which was a new, I was, yeah, I was there actually the first day they actually opened the doors. And that was an art school in New York, right outside of New York City. So um, uh, we did a film kind of, you know, like a 30-minute kind of, you know, I would have made it a feature, but we barely got it to 25 minutes, you know, in terms of what we were capable of pulling off. But that was like the preamble to it. Mm-hmm. Which was the first film where you kind of got a little uh, notoriety, momentum inside of uh, those early days? What was the one that got you to the next one? Well, notoriety, I would say Miss 45, because that was actually reviewed in the, you know, was favorably reviewed 
actually in LA and in New York, more in LA, you know, um, that kind of, uh, you know, gave us some kind of uh, public affirmation, mm-hmm. you know, but we had the other porno film and then that got us to the Driller Killer, which we did, which was, you know, both those films were commercially successful in the world that they were, you know, meant to be. And then, you know, once we started going through like something like Miss 45, um, you know, that was, um, yeah, that kind of crossed the line for us. That kind of What was the porno film? I don't know the porno film. You did a porno? It's called, yeah, we did one film in 1975. What's interesting to me is I watched The Driller Killer the other night, and then you kind of, uh, somewhere you get into the pilot of Miami Vice. How does how do you go from a film like that to the pilot of a television show? That's well, That was a long time. You know, I mean, we did that movie, then we did Miss 45, then we're trying to do another film. <clears throat> you know, we're trying to get out of that exploitation, you know, whether it was pornography or ultraviolence or something like Miss 45, you know. We were just trying to make real films and, um, you know, without this onus of, uh, you know, a specific exploitative audience, you know. And, um, you know, those were tough years. 1980, 81 were rough. They were rough. We had a film that we were trying to do that didn't get made. That we put a lot of, you know, effort and a lot of heartbreak. And then um, we made a film called Fear City in Los Angeles. These producers in L.A. had, had seen a, a script that we had even written before, you know, Driller Killer, which was uh, called Fear City, which we shot in L.A. with Tom Berenger, Melanie Griffith, and Lee Don Chow. That was kind of a Hollywood movie. I mean, it was, you know, we had to play the Hollywood game with it. But, um, you know, we were out here, out there. Well, you, you're in L.A., right? Yes, yeah, okay, so we were out there living there, and, and um, you know, it was like 1982, 83, and then, you know, the Miami Vice thing was just kind of out of the blue, you know, casting agent, Bonnie Timmerman, who was a friend of mine. Yeah, I know Bonnie, she's um, great. Yeah, you know Bonnie, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So, um, you know, Michael was just looking for fucking directors to do this thing he had. And then they called me up out of the blue. We were like, you know, I was in New York freezing and starving to death. And, um, you know, the next minute I was in like a white limousine on the way to Miami, you know. <laughs> you know, it was like one of those Hollywood stories you dig. And, um, yeah. you know, but it was the very beginning. I didn't even know what Miami Vice was. I mean, I just got in the car. Well, they Wait, didn't know what you know, it was. They didn't know what it was either, right? I mean, that's the pilot. Well, that's Michael had a Michael had a Michael had a pretty specific vision of what he wanted to do, but you know, to do it as a TV series with you know, changing directors, and he was in LA doing his feature thing, but you know, he he, he it was pretty much the kind of um, style shit that he was doing with um, you know, Manhunter and Thief and. Yeah. You know, we were doing the same thing, time. Mm-hmm. So he was he was very, uh, he had a very fixed um, vision of what, the look of what he wanted. Yeah. I felt like it was very much your look. I mean, aesthetically, it looked like a, an, an Abel film, as the, the pilot. You know, I just watched it over again the other night. I was doing... Which was that, Crime, 
The crime right, story. It's which the very one? first two episodes of the series when the partners meet and uh, you Miami Vice. Yeah, you were the director. Yeah, but I didn't direct. No, I didn't direct. No. No, that was directed by a black dude from New York, and I forget his name. That was pretty good. Yeah, and Michael was around for that. That was pretty cool, right? That was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, they didn't. If they would have kept that up, that would have been all right. But you know, it came what it came. Did you feel anyway? Like- I was there for like episode. I don't know, like first. I was there in, in the very beginning. Well, yeah, you have episode. the very you have the very first episode credit. That's what I found out, and I was wondering how you. No, I have the first episode credit of Crime Story. That was the other, uh, not the first episode. I have the pilot credit of Crime Story. You know, Crime Story was that was like the next series that Michael did at Chicago. Okay, and that was that pilot was pretty cool. Were you uh, the same thing? The same looks, you know. But it, we were all working in the same deal, you know. The wet streets, the yeah, you yeah. know, the black, the black, the black, you know. The... <laughs> were you a writer first or a director, or did it all kind of? No, I had a writer. You know, I, I grew up with my my partner who wrote all those scripts, like Ms. Forty Five and King of New York, and <clears throat> you know. The Addiction, The Funeral. That was all written by my childhood friend. What's his name? name is Nicky St. John. Do you still uh, work with him? No, nah, no, nah, he stopped. He gave it up. He, he hated the film business. He hated everything about it. And he, like, he, he made it to, like, around 1997, and then he finally said, that's enough. Yeah. Amazing. So, um, what was I going to ask you about... Uh, so you don't, you don't, you, you get a lot of writing credit. You do write, you know. Now I write. No, no, no. I'm right now. Once he left, then it was like next man up. You know what I mean? Yeah. We had to learn how to write. I mean, I wrote Bad Lieutenant with Zoe. <clears throat> Lately I've been writing, you know, so. Yeah. I really like, I, I want to get into that because I really liked the uh Tommaso. It was a it was a really right. it's a beautiful film. I got I watched oh, it a thank few you, times. Bro. Yeah. I hadn't watched one of your films in a long time and it popped up and wow. I went and saw it, but I don't want to get there yet. Tell me about the Buddhist Catholic. I have similar uh upbringing as you with that. Really? Are you a Buddhist? I was a Catholic kid. We were pushed around with all that and then uh got into Buddhism when I got, got sobriety and got sober. Um just kinda went into different stuff. But I wanted to hear from you about your... Yeah, well, that's, you know, that's my story. You know, that's the same my story, you know. Yeah. Um, I was, um, you know, I mean, I was some kind of, um, you know, I was raised Roman Catholic, so I had that in me. But, um, I mean, I wasn't living a very Christian life, although I thought I was, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, clung to the crucifixes and all that. But, um, you know... You know, I was I was drinking and, and drugging from an early age, you know what I mean? I mean, actually not that early, considered the kids nowadays. At least I made it to 17, you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I had those years, like, say, between 12 and 17, which, you know, so many of our guys in the program, they didn't have that. No. You know? Yeah. And those are five years that I, I, I thank God yeah. for having you know, that I wasn't off to the races when I was 11, you know. Yeah. Um, do you feel like so? You, do you feel like you returned to the age you stopped at, you cut out at? Some people feel like, you know, when you started. Yeah, I think drug, definitely. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, then when you stop, well, you return to your emotional. Yeah, no, I feel like, yeah, man, I feel like a kid. You know, uh-huh. I'm 69. I feel like I'm 19. Yeah, you do. You know, well, you so work we're like about making movies. Well, you know, it's what we do. You know, it's what we love doing, and and and, it, and it's it's life giving. You know, it's it's nourishing. Mm-hmm. It's 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 and we can do it. You know, yeah. You know, I have my mind, I have my physical body. I, I, you know, people support us, so you know, to a degree, and uh, yeah. Why the fuck not? You know. Yeah, it's not a gig you retire from. You know what I'm saying? No. Do you, uh, you know? do you write for specific actors, or does that? Uh, how does that work with you? Or do you write something? Well, you know, Willem has been with us. Well, Willem has been with us for you know seven films, so I'm pretty much thinking about him. You know, it's like you. It's like the group. You know. Mm-hmm. You know, we have uh, our filmmaking family, and he's the actor. Pretty much. So, you know, lately I've been, things I've been thinking about are all kind of male orientated that anybody at any age can play, you know? Mm-hmm. So. You've worked with the best and uh, it's amazing, you know? You have a crazy, uh, yeah, I've been red, lucky crazy resume. Yeah, I've been lucky that way. Was it the material or were you just walking around New York and uh, you had a bunch of friends and they came around things or how did it work? Or were you dealing the what the actors? Or yeah, the, yeah. Like how do, you, how do you work with uh you know the Walkins and Larry Fishburne and uh, all these people? How, how do you get you know Fishburne and uh, Fishburne like Caruso? Those guys they were my contemporaries. They were you know I grew up with them in a business kind of thing. You know, mm-hmm. um, I'm happy a little older than them, but you know I was them. Walking was you know somebody like Walking or Kaitel. They were like. You know, the people that we learned from, mm-hmm. and they were more of our teachers mm-hmm. as opposed to our contemporaries. Mm-hmm. You know, and I was lucky that they wanted to work with us, you know. Yeah. And, you know, and then, you know, it's like the Buddhist thing. You can't read it in a book, bro. Somebody, you got to be taught it by the teacher. You dig? Mm-hmm. You can watch Mean Streets all you want, but you need Harvey next to you to guide you. To really learn it. Yeah. You know, same thing with walking. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like when you're with the, the you know, it's not enough to see these movies. You gotta have the guy right next to you. And those guys are very um, gracious and open. And, you know, I learned a lot from those guys. Were you inspired by any filmmakers or were you just listening to your own? Yeah, team? I was all of them. No, yeah. no, no. When I was young, I was all of them. Yeah, but you've been very much, uh, you know, I can give you the compliment that you're you. You're, you, you don't look like a, a, a sample of anyone, which is why I really admire your work. You, you have the DNA of Abel Ferrara in your movies. It's not, I don't see any uh, sampling, you know. Yeah, well, we do it, though. You know, I mean, it's, uh, you know, we were students, you know, we were students and we were watching the movies and, you know, we grew up with Hollywood movies and American television. Mm -hmm. And then one day, I don't know, I don't know when it was, we were probably about 16 or 17, because we were living outside New York maybe an hour, you know, back then you had to go to, you know, you had to go to New York and go to the Thalia and, uh, you know, you had to go to those movie theaters to see the classic shit. Mm-hmm. 
You dig? Yeah. You know, and then once you started seeing, you know, yeah, once you start seeing Pasolini and Pontecorvo and Godard and, you know, Bergman, you know, then you start, you start seeing the real shit, you know? I don't know if you knew this. I grew up with Gallo and uh, Vincent, who you worked with in Funeral. Uh, I met him when I was 16. I moved to New York City. I was there 16 to 30. He was one of the first people I met. And he was a possible... In New York or yeah. in Buffalo? No, New York. He came in. He was in, right. the, he was in the city. He's older than me. But uh, he was obsessed with... How old was he when he first came? I don't know the truth. I'm 52 now. I don't know. I think Vinny's... Uh, like, all right. I don't want to know how old he is. Yeah, no one does. <laughs> I've seen him not long ago. I've seen him not long ago. It was very good. Yeah, he's a good one to catch up with. But he was a Pasolini. Yeah, Vinny is real He deal. was obsessed with Pasolini. That's all he ever talked about. Yeah. 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 I love that you made that movie. It was pretty amazing. Yeah, no, I'm happy I made that one. So when did you uh, when did you get uh, out of New York? Leaving New York's a big deal for you. What year? What, what happened with that? When I left Manhattan. Yeah, when you pull out, you leave. Well, we were like, um, you know, after like the World Trade, you know, New York started getting, you know, I mean, were you around when the... Uh, I was in LA. I was in LA. I had already moved back. I came back when I was thirty. I'm fifty two now, so I I missed it. Yeah. All right. Well, you know, right then and there was like it was like probably the best time to be a New Yorker. I mean, unless you got killed or someone. You know, it was just a um, a really life affirmation and um, a community. You know, an affirmation of community more than anything, and you had a month surrounding it, and and then. You know, it became a real estate deal. And, and, you know, we were like out. You know, people who liked the New Yorkers were just priced out. Mm-hmm. You did? Yeah. And, um, and also, whatever negativity towards New York is a place to shoot, it was, it was a couple of tough times. I always, we always had a, a foreign game going, you know, finance Europe-wise. You did. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm Italian, so it's not that. I have family in, in Italy, and <clears throat> I have friends, and so I came to Rome to shoot to shoot um, what became Mary and Gogo Tales, right? Mm-hmm. But I was going back and forth between New York and um, and um, Italy, say from 2002. Then around 2012, like I was like at the end of my, you know, use, you know, I was like, um, I was trying to get sober, like for three or four years. This is when my boot is, I made a film called Mary, which was about Mary Magdalene. And we went to Jerusalem. And I don't know if you have you ever been to Jerusalem. I have not. I have not. Well, you see, when, you know, when all this shit calms down, if it ever does calm down. That's a trip you should make because it, it really, I, I, I just got the affirmation of Jesus, but Jesus in a Buddhist sense and Jesus, Jesus as a, uh, you know, the Bible as a revolutionary political tract. And, you know, these guys as teachers as opposed to gods, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And then um, I was with a chick who was Buddhist and a, you know, yogi and, and all that and a vegan, you know, so it was like thrown into that, but I was still using, you know, so I was thinking I was like a good meditator and I would go on retreats and do an all thing, but I was doing, you know, you can't snort heroin and then think you, 
having a great meditation, you know? <laughs> like, it doesn't work like that. Yeah. But I thought it did, you know what I mean? I was very delusional at the time. And then I was going, I was going in the program and trying to get sober, and I couldn't do it, man. It was like 2008, all the guys around me that I had worked with for pretty much my whole life, for all of the program, I was all working for them. But I still couldn't get it, you know? But around 2011, I stopped drinking on a, some miraculous day for no reason. But I was still using, you know, I was still using the dope and the coke. And then I was like really at the end of my game, broke, you know, I was like in a bad spot. And, um, but I've been in bad spots before, you know what I mean? I mean, it was, you know, I, mean, yeah, I couldn't even say it's your bottom because I had been in places that would have been any normal person's bottom. Mm -hmm. And then I just yeah. went, kept going for another 10 years. Yeah. Then, yeah. then I was at a place where I was almost killed, blah, blah, blah. Like, and then, well, you, the stories of Tomasa. And then again, I just, you know, you know, rebooted and, and stayed fucked up, you know, stayed high. And then I finally came to a, a um, I ended up in a uh, rehab in South Italy, actually not far from where my grandfather was born, who was very close, very, you know, he was a simple Italian, came over when he was 20, stayed in the United States, never learned a word of English, pretty successful guy, but uh, you know, anyone would look at him as just an ignorant fucking immigrant, you know, but he wasn't, you know. Um, and in this place, where there was no AA, and these guys didn't know from Buddhism, they didn't know shit, but there was like a lot of young kids, maybe like 90 of us, and, you know, in this, and, and the guy who was running it was, you know, very spiritual dude, even though he didn't even know anything about being spiritual. He, did. he was just a kind, loving dude, and, and, and in this kind of very farm culture, very, you know, I got it, man, you know, I got sober and I, um, I stopped and it was the first time since I was basically 17 years old. Wow. Okay. I mean, from 17 till I was 61, wow. some part of every day I either had a drink. I mean, I got, you could count. I mean, I, maybe I missed 50 days in 60, you know, in 44 yeah. years, you know what I mean? But yeah. not because I wanted to. Yeah. Maybe if I had the flu, I don't know, there'd be some crazy shit that we didn't have a beer or a joint or a line of Coke or, you know, then once we got to the dope, then we were like, we had to have it, you know, mm -hmm. you know, and then when we got really, when, uh, you know, my alcohol addiction really was secondary to the drugs. Yeah. But in the last seven or eight years, I never thought in a million years I'd be addicted to alcohol, but I could not stop. And I was drinking light beer, bro. Mm -hmm. You know, I had gone through all the exotic shit and the super expensive red wine, all that crap. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Cognac and all I mean, I was down to Bud Light, which I adored. <laughs> I mean, adored it, you know, yeah. adored it. I couldn't live without it. You know, I mean, I was drinking 50 bottles a day and I couldn't drink, you know, uh, what do you call it? What's the craft beer or... Yeah. I'd be in Germany and they'd be giving me like the greatest beer, Czech, the history of Czechoslovakia. And I, I said, fuck you, man. I'm on bud, bro. You know? <laughs> and, um, 
And then uh, I stopped, man. And I stopped, and it was like um, kind of, a, I never did methadone, so it was like 50 milligrams of meth, and the next day 45, then 40, and after 10 days, I was off. So I didn't go through like a vicious kick, but it wasn't fucking easy, right? And then once I stopped, I remember that day, but I wasn't sober yet, even though I've been off everything, maybe, you know, it was like I was detoxed, but not sober. Right. You know, and I had the doctors around too. So I was getting like some really, in, you know, intelligent fucking info, you know, like what the alcohol did to me and what the cocaine was doing to me, which was not with the alcohol. You know, the heroin was doing something totally different. They were really explaining it to me medical terms so I was getting it you know but it was like 100 degrees every day no electricity it was you know no you know no nothing man I was out in a fucking farm but it was life saving and I knew it I knew it and, and 40 days it took me 40 days you know it was like Jesus in the desert bro and on the 40th day of maybe sleeping, I mean, if I slept three hours and 40, I'm not kidding, I don't think I slept for more than five minutes at a time. I like went to sleep when the sun went down and I know it sounds ridiculous, you know, it sounds almost sappy, right? But, you know, I went to sleep like at night, like a normal human being, only something I hadn't done in 44 years. You think? I mean, I'm not talking about passing out. I'm talking about laying down and going to sleep. Yeah. And then waking up and hearing the, the, the roosters crowing, you know, they, yeah. and I woke up, I felt so fucking good. I was scared. This is the funniest part of the whole, my whole recovery was I woke up and I felt, I felt frightened because I'm saying, wow, I feel fucking great. And I meditated that morning, you know, and it wasn't, you know, it's not a white light experience, you know, but it's yeah. definitely a pink cloud experience. Yes. You did. I like, have, I meditated, and I fucking got it. Yeah. You know what I mean? I have a similar, you know, I was, I don't know if you, you don't know this about me, but I was coke and heroin, too, and the and, uh, the miracles of being able to go to the bathroom without a spoon and the ability to go to sleep <laughs> and the ability to be sexually attracted to someone again because, I mean, I liked heroin more than girls, of course. I kind of used heroin, I think, to get Yeah, we all do. Yeah. That's but what yeah. they call it, the white lady. <laughs> yeah, I understand where you're coming from. And, uh, you know, I just actually jumped back through the steps after 26 years clean. I, I kind of ignored them for a while. So there's always degrees of uh, sobriety. And I'm on an- right. another one now when I... You know, what I want to ask you is, is uh, did you ever play with yourself in your head that you couldn't create if you weren't in that uh, that high state, the drug state? Because a lot of people say, uh, you know, I don't want to get sober because I won't be fun. I won't be talented. I won't be free. Uh, did you play that game or not at all? I mean, I was delusional for all the years I was using, but, mm-hmm. you know. You know, once I got the, you know, once it all came to me, you know, like in the beginning in in that rehab was, um, um, you know, all those meetings I went to high, I think I was finally getting the message, Mm -hmm. you know, either in my unconscious or remembering, you know, shares and things that were told to me 
You know what I'm saying? And um, and the reading, I was doing a lot of reading then. And in the beginning, I said, I didn't give a fuck if I never made another film. You know, that's how, that's how cool it was. Yeah. Not to be thinking about your drug dealer. Not to be trying to put together money to fucking score. Yeah. Not to be waiting to be sick. You know, to be free. It was such a powerful fucking um, realization that I didn't give a shit. You know, the idea of whether I was going to make movies again, I didn't give a fuck if I did it. You know, we were, we, were on a, we were right on a, in the middle of both Welcome to New York and Pasolini, right? Right. And I, I, I didn't even, I wasn't even checking my emails. You know what I mean? I, I didn't have a computer. I didn't want to have a computer. And I didn't give a flying fuck if I ever made those films and never did anything mm-hmm. again. I just wanted to, you know, maintain that, um, that feeling of well-being, that feeling of, of freedom after like 44 years of slavery, especially the last 14 or 15, you know, they say it's a progressive disease. You know, the last 15 years were a fucking disaster. You know, when you look back at them, you know, sure, you know, yeah, you think you're creative, you think you're great, and you think you're living an exciting life, you know. Yeah. And standing in the rain for 45 minutes waiting for a drug dealer when you don't even have the money for the drugs he's bringing, that's not that exciting, <laughs> no, right? It's not. I mean, you don't feel like doing that now, right? You don't feel like oh no hitchhiking downtown and fucking looking for some, yeah. you know, I would be at a dinner and be. I would be at a dinner knowing that uh, the guys were at least an hour away, and I'd say I have to go to the bathroom, and you know, come back two hours later as if I was in the bathroom for fifteen minutes. It's the lies at a certain point. You're just lying so much you can't see the truth. Is what I found with that whole business. You know. Yeah, I, I don't think I sat down for dinner once in the last twenty five years of. <laughs> you know, I mean, I had no use for going out to eat dinner. Now we do it. You know. People know, uh, yeah, sometimes I tell people, you know, we just sat here and had dinner and had really had a good time. And, you know, well, now we're missing that because of the fucking uh, yeah. pandemic. Yeah. But, you know, now it's simple that, right? It's mm-hmm. simple as sitting and having dinner or coffee with somebody. That's how the fuck I'm Yeah. It, but, you know. Rome got hit hard with the pandemic. I remember calling. I have a, girlf- a girlfriend there. And it was one of the first things I was getting reports from. She was saying how crazy it was getting. Is it lightened up? Yeah, it wasn't, no, it wasn't, you know, the worst part was in the north was Milano and those cities. So Rome wasn't as bad as there, but it was, you know, it wouldn't, yeah, fucking last March and April was a fucking disaster. You know, it was like New York. What was it? Well, like? you guys are what? You're still in the middle of it, right? Yeah, but you know, it's it's uh, a lot in the media, but then I go outside and I see my friends. I just actually did a little acting role in one of my friends' movies and... Things are coming back, um, you know. Oh, all right. It, it's happening. It's uh, it's there. What was it like returning? Uh, what was the first film you did when you got sober and you were present? What was the first thing out? Welcome to New York. Welcome to New York. Yeah. Well, you know, once I got out of there, I saw anyway, so I was there. You know, and it's crazy because the program for the kids there is re- is three years in this in this year. Okay. That's what gives the best results. Okay, and they've been doing this for forty-five years there, and they actually get results. 
but the results were after three years. That's how what it takes to change your fucking way of thinking, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, I was there for four months, and then, um, yeah, they were in tears when I left because they didn't think that was even, and I knew it myself, but I, I was telling them, listen, I got a program I'm going to. I'm not really, you know, I'm leaving physically this place. I'm not leaving my recovery. Right. Because I knew what, you know, at that point, I, you know, I had gone to enough meetings and had, you know, I was really now in touch with my sponsor and the guys around me that right. were all sober. And, you know, I, you know, the first thing I knew was I, I disconnected from every, every single person that I used with, mm-hmm. you know, and they were a lot of very close, creative people to me, you know, but, you know, the guys that get it, get it. The guys that don't, I could care less, but, sure. you know, that was like a straight cut. I didn't even call to say goodbye. You know I mean? No, you it's gotta, like, that's at the point where you're going to live or die and you have to make the choice and that's that. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, that's now, exactly it. When you uh, when you wrote uh, Tom, uh, Tommaso, uh, it's it's a very personal film, isn't it? They're all personal. I mean, you know, it's but like, this it is what like, it is. This know? one's a lot of your life, I'd say. Well, it's about my, you know, it, you know, we're using me as the starting point for the characters. So, you know, we were doing documentaries. You know, we did uh, when I get out of. You know, the first film back, when I got out of rehab, I went to Paris because I was looking for a place to go that I wasn't using. What year was that? That I didn't have any history. What year did you? What year was that? It's probably 212, 213. Okay. This was the year we made um, Welcome to New York. Okay. Probably in that period, I guess. Um, Yeah, because I was in... um, you know, Paris was a city I never lived in, mm-hmm. but it's also the place we're raising the money for Welcome to New York and Pasolini. Mm-hmm. Okay, France is like a key financial place for us. So I went there, and um, you know, I was just going to meetings at pretty uh, pretty much every day. You know, and I was like seeing if this shit was going to happen. And I started getting into the swing of things. And then I realized, welcome to New York. You know, I, I, with Gerard Depardieu was in um, Welcome to New York. You know, I just, and I had yeah. known him for a couple of years. It's a great film. I liked it a lot. Yeah, he's, he's, he's spectacular. His son died of uh, heroin overdose. Oh, man. Okay, and he was the only guy who knew that I had gotten straight. Like the other people, if I didn't tell them what happened, they didn't have no idea. Mm-hmm. You did. Mm-hmm. He immediately seeing me do something was up, mm-hmm. you know, and I told him I couldn't do this film if he he was he's a he could drink, okay, and you know we had spent time together drinking, not not drugging, mm-hmm. and um, I said, listen, man, I I can't do this if you're gonna drink, okay, I don't think I could do this film because I'm not gonna be able to do this. You know, it's like, it's. I was like a few months sober at this point, you know, right. five months, right? And um, he said, I won't drink. Wow. We'll go to New York, I won't drink, I promise. And he didn't. And then we, so I went to New York, I, you know, the editor, the DP, the other actors, they're all on program. You know, my guys. So I had a very, you know, with New York from a different place. 
But, you know, I had to be careful because it was only six, seven months since, or say, less than a year since I, you know, I'm walking down. You know, i got to watch where I got walking down. People are slipping bags in my pocket thinking to do me a favor. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. You know, I'm yeah. like, you know, you know, New York is a small community when it comes to the hardcore addicts, you know, mm. and um, especially downtown Manhattan. But, you know, it's a matter of, you know, people, places, and things. So I just, I knew the neighborhoods I could be cool in. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we, um, you know, filming was great. You know, we did it. We all, first time, we were all sober. It's it. beautiful. It's a, it's a very, uh, it's kind of like a very clean film for you. It's like visually very clean. It's, it's yeah. big, big in scope. Welcome to yeah. you. Yeah, it was about addiction to, you know, and Pasolini was about addiction in a way also. So, yeah. you know, then we went back to Italy and um, back to Rome. You know, we did these back to back and I did this and I met this very young chick and um, Christina, who's in Tommaso. Yes. And she got pregnant right away, which is crazy, but it was cool. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've been together, you know, mm-hmm. and the baby's now five years old. So. How many kids do you have? I have two daughters that are like 33 and like 27, mm-hmm. you know, the, but, you know, I raised them and, you know, we have a lot of issues, but, you know, even with them, things have gotten like a zillion times better now that we could confront the fucking problems. Yes. In, in Tommaso, where, uh, was that the character imagining that the girl was having those moments in the park or was that happening? Well, you know, no, you know, I mean, uh, you know, you know, Lord of Jungle, bro, you cheating on your old lady, you can rest assured she's cheating on you. Yeah. (laughs) What's next? Uh, What are you up to nowadays? Let's go present moment. Um, What are you looking at on um, your phone? (laughs) Doing a, um, I'm working on a film called Zeros and Ones. We're going to shoot with Ethan Hawke, hopefully. In Italy? Yeah, in Rome. What's day to day in Rome like? What are you What are you doing out there? Um, it's cool. Pandemic wise, it's cool, but the kids are going to school, which that's a whole you know, that's a whole Pandora's box right there. Mm-hmm. So all the kids are going back to school. People are pretty much working. Everybody's masked up here. They're very kind. You know, people have a lot of respect for old people because they live with them and they're with them. You know what I mean? There's no such thing as, you know, the grandparents are in the house, you know. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of masking and a lot of, you know, people, people are careful with other people, especially old people like me. You know, there's a lot of respect even if people don't even know who I am just because I'm old. Yeah. You don't care. So, uh, you don't carry yourself like an old guy. You still got a lot of. Yeah, I know, but you know, when you're seventy, you know, I'm sixty-nine. You're sixty-nine. You're not twenty-nine. So anyway, but the point being is, there's no tourism here, and tourism is the cash cow of the town. Right. And so all the people I know, and all the you know the bar, the bars, meaning the cafes, the restaurants, just the people in the neighborhood, you know, they're suffering, bro. You know, they're really suffering. It's an economic gut shot. And, um, you know, because the United States is not coming around, no one's coming. 
and the Russians aren't coming because it's war is just as bad there. And you know, you take out the Russian American and Chinese tourists, and this fucking country is fucking hurt. Yeah. Especially this town. Rome's really hurting. Mm-hmm. So that's what's happening. But you know, it's cool. When it's a lot you, better than it was. When do you start on your uh, your next picture? Uh, hopefully in November sixteenth. Oh, good. Fingers crossed. Yeah, no shit. Yeah, you'll get it. You, you're an unstoppable force, and I really, <laughs> I mean, I really admire watching someone that just keeps going, keeps going. Because you know, I've had my ups and downs in this town with directing stuff. I've made a feature. Uh, it's sometimes it's tough, but I like watching. Yeah, that. sometimes it's tough. Sometimes it's impossible. You know, what I mean? yeah. you gotta just. You know, but you're not a guy that believes impossible, or else you wouldn't have this many films on your. No, nah, we you know? work. You know, the thing is, when we we did those two features, Welcome to New York and um, Pasolini, and then you know I moved here and we basically started from scratch and we did like, I mean, you know, we're doing we did like four documentaries. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. which I'm, I really love and I'm really proud of. But they were like made, some of them are made for zero. Yeah. You did, but we're going to shoot a film as opposed to not. Right. You know, mm-hmm. and then that's what kind of led to Tommaso because we're shooting the documentaries. Tommaso caused very little. Then I was putting together Siberia, which, um, yeah, it took four years to make. You know, I mean, it was a $5 million movie because the ideas I had at the time were, you know, like Jack London, snow and dog sleds and <laughs> desert. And, you know, I had all kinds of crazy shit that, you know, if we were going to do it or we didn't. And if we were going to do it, it was going to take money. But we hung in there, you know, but it didn't take, it didn't come overnight. So now... You know, so we did four documentaries in between, and then we did two features one after another. So, you know, it seems like we're doing a lot, but it's 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 spread over time. You know? Yeah, of course, exactly. Well, I mean, I don't want to keep you, so thank you for uh, uh, taking bro, the time. To thank talk you very to much, me. and congratu- no, congratulations on your new life. I mean, it's it's really good. Yeah, to yours you. too, man. Yeah. you know, thank you. And we'll speak. Yeah, we'll speak again by the time, by the time yeah. we speak again. You'll have two more movies. I hope so. Yeah, you might have three. All right, I'll talk to you soon.